0: Uh, we're going to go uh, verse by verse today, uh, but first let's uh, t- take a look at what we've talked about so far, what we talked about last week specifically. We, uh, we're in chapter 3, the Apostle Paul starts to turn the corner um, about, uh, to discuss, uh, uh, you know, faith and that our salvation is not based on works, or ob- he calls it obedience to the law, uh, that we can't be good enough. He begins to talk about the first part of the subject, that the law uh, was sent so that we would know what was right and what was wrong. We, we would know, and, and the law wasn't sent uh, so that it could save us. The law was sent to show us how we needed something outside of ourselves, right, to reconcile us in our relationship with God, that we would see just how far we had fallen. Uh, and so God provided a way. He provided Jesus Christ on the cross And so you and I are not saved by works or by our own merit, but we are saved by Jesus Christ. Faith and trust in Him alone. There's nothing that you and I can do uh, outside of our faith in Christ uh, that we can be saved. Uh, And so uh, this week uh, we're going to look at um, chapter 4. And uh, the uh, Apostle Paul is going to look at two patriarchs that the Jewish readers would definitely recognize. He's going to look at Abraham. Uh, He's going to look at David to make his, or begin his argument, his case, for justification by faith. Now, he's already started because he said in verse 27 of chapter 3, where is boasting then? Is Uh, 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 is it excluded Uh, by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Right? Uh, So therefore, uh, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. All right? So what he's saying here, as we discussed last week, is that we are justified by faith and so no man could boast. Right? Uh, That we are justified uh, by faith and that uh, we we can't boast, um, that we can't boast of the law uh, that God gave because the law simply reveals to us that we need him. And we need Christ, uh, and we. Uh, so what we do is we boast in Christ. We boast in the law of faith, but uh, who Jesus is and what Jesus did uh, for us on Calvary. All right, so let's dive in here to Romans chapter 4. Uh, let's look at verses 1 through 5. Uh, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but God... Uh, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does that work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, is his faith uh, justifies the ungodly? His faith is accounted for righteousness. And so Paul uh, begins to say that he's going to take Abraham and David because he the, the Jewish uh, audience would be well aware of Dave, David and Abraham. Abraham was the patriarch to whom all the promises were given uh, to Abraham. And we're going to look at that more here in a moment in the book of Genesis. And David was considered to be the greatest king that Israel ever had. So there were two men that the, the nation respected. And if they weren't justified by their works, then nobody could be justified by their works, right? If God blessed Abraham... Uh, simply because of his grace and mercy and that Abraham believed him, right, and had faith in him, and not because of Abraham's own righteousness or goodness, right, And, and they all respected Abraham, then how much more so then, right, that you and I, that we would need to be justified by faith, that our works would not be any, uh, would not be useful. So he says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? Again, Paul is using that model uh, of Abraham to show the is by faith alone, all right? Because Judaism was a works-based righteousness, right? Uh, we've talked about this in our previous chapters that, you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees taught and believed that uh, obedience to the law was enough to save you. Uh, and that, that's how you were righteous, right? Uh, that your righteousness was based on how obedient you could be to the law. And that uh, is absolutely untrue because what humanity has proven time and time again is that we can never be fully obedient to the law. Mm-hmm. Right? And as we looked at chapter 3, Paul said, there is none righteous, no, not one. Everyone is sin." Everyone has gone their own way, right? Uh, where our, thro- our, 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 our throats are like an open tomb, right? We want we curse and we don't bless and we uh, are, are mean and we're angry and we don't live at peace with the world and we're selfish and self-centered. And, and so man can never be good enough in our works. Uh, for if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. So if Abraham had been justified because of how good he was and how awesome he was and Listen, obe- uh, uh, Abraham was obedient. There is no question about that. When God told him to get up from where he was at and go to where I'm going to show you, but didn't tell Abraham a destination, guess what Abraham did? He got he got up, he packed, and he left. But it wasn't his obedience that saved him. It was his faith in God, which we're going to talk about. And then he says in verse 2, But not before God. So if Abraham had justified my works, he had something to brag about but not before God. That phrase is better translated, but this is not how God sees him. So you may see him this way. You may believe he was the super righteous one in terms of his faithfulness and his obedience and his serving God, and that's why God chose him, right? But that's not how God sees him. God sees him as a man just like you and me. He did not deserve God's grace, but God chose him. Listen, God chose Israel, he chose Abraham, not because Abraham was special. Abraham was special because God chose him. Right? Uh, What made Abraham and the Israelites special was because God chose them. Mm -hmm. Right? Not because they were in and of themselves anything special or different than anybody else. God just chose them. And that's what made them special. It wasn't because of how good Abraham was. It wasn't how good his family was. It wasn't about any of those things. God just simply said and in his plan, I choose Abraham and his descendants. For what does the scripture say, verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So this is a direct quote from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. If you're able to, if you want to turn over, uh, mark your place there in chapter 4 of Romans and turn over to Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Or chapter 15, we're going to look at the context here of where Paul quotes Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for for righteousness. So let's start here in Genesis chapter 15 verses 1 through 3. The first is this. Abraham here in verses 1 through 3 is a lamenting to God that he doesn't have an heir. So Abraham, God has blessed him. Abraham's lost lots of possessions. And as you know, uh, uh, just in case you don't, and, and that society... You know, it was important to have a male heir because if you did not have a male heir, everything that you had would now go to either your brother or your father, or if it was only your brother's kid, your nephew that was alive, right? It would not stay with your family and your kids, even if you had daughters. It would go to the next male that was in line. And so Abraham said, God, you've blessed me, you've given all these things to me, but I don't have an heir. Let's read verses 1 through 3. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram and the vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, God, uh, Lord God, what will you uh, give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is uh, uh, Eliezer of Damascus. Uh, then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is Uh, to be my heir, right? So what he's saying there is, God, uh, all these blessings are great, thank you, uh, but listen, I don't have anyone to leave them to. You don't give me someone in my lineage to leave them to, you don't give me a son, then they're going to go over to this guy who's not going to appreciate Right, So what good are all these promises? What good are all these blessings if I do not have an heir? So he's lamenting. And, you know, again, uh, this is, it, it was very important back then uh, to have an heir. Uh, look at verses 4 and 5. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. And count the stars, if you are able to number them, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So when uh, God had blessed Abraham, Abraham says, I don't have a a child, I don't have a son uh, uh, to bless with. He was childless, right? He had no heir at all, no son. Uh, And so uh, God said, listen, Abraham, uh, that's not going to be how it is. Uh, I'm going to give you a child from your own body. I'm going to give you an heir. It won't be this guy over here that doesn't appreciate uh, what you have. It's going to be your own son. And he said, go up and look at the stars in the sky and start counting. And he said, uh, I'm going to give you, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars. If you were able to count all the stars, which you can't, he's God saying. But if you're able to, I'm just going to give you more than the number of stars. What he's saying is I'm going to make you into a great nation. Not from your brother's family, not from your nephew Lot, not from all these other people. I am going to make you a nation from your seed, your children your heir. And that's when verse 6 comes. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness that he there is capital he that is God. And Abraham believed in the Lord and God accounted it to him for righteousness. So what is it that Abraham believed? Jesus hadn't come yet. Right? There there was no law, right? The law, only law that we had was what was that moral law written upon our hearts, right? Moses hadn't been given the Ten Commandments. There was no Leviticus. There was no Deuteronomy. There was no law, right? Yet God said that he accounted to Abraham righteousness because of Abraham's faith. His belief in God. And Abraham, this to, to put it simply, is he believed God, who he said he was, and what he said he would do. Praise the Lord. Amen. Right? He believed that God was who he said he was, and that God would do what he said he would do. And so, because of his belief, now listen, this is a conviction that God will do what he's saying, right? This isn't a simple statement that God believed, that you believe that God, that you know, that, that he believed. Abraham, in his heart of hearts, believed that God uh, was who he said he was and would do what he said he would do. Right? it is impossible to please God without faith. And Abraham had faith. And it is because of that faith that God had faith mercy on him, and made him, remember that word righteousness, made him in right standing before him. Now this is before the law, and this is before Jesus, this is before circumcision, Abraham was not circumcised until later, God, uh, uh, Abraham believed. There was no great demonstration of power. There was no legal contract signed between him and God. God just gave him his word, and Abraham believed it. Uh, uh, J. Vernon McGee writes, He took the naked word of God at face value, and he rested in it. Newell puts it like this, There was no honor, no merit in Abraham believing the faithful God who cannot lie. The honor was God's. When Abraham believed God, he did the one thing that a man can do without doing anything. (laughs) God made the statement, the promise, and God undertook to fulfill it. Abraham believed in his heart that God told the truth. There was no effort here. Abraham's faith was not an act, but an attitude. His heart was turned completely away from himself to God and God's promise. This left God free to fulfill that promise. Faith was neither a meritous act by Abraham nor a change of character or nature in Abraham. He simply believed God would accomplish what he had promised. God made the promises and Abraham believed God in those promises. It was accounted to him for righteousness. That word accounted can also be translated imputed or accredited. Right, uh, it was uh, used in, for financial, uh, in financial terms. It was uh, in legal settings. The Greek word here occurs nine times in chapter four alone. The word uh, translated "accounted" or can also mean "imputed." It means to take something that belongs to someone and credit to another's account. This is a one-sided transaction. Abraham did nothing to accumulate it, earn it, deserve it. God simply credited it to him. God said, "You are now in right standing." So, uh, if you uh, owe a bill, right? Uh, we all have. You all have credit, whether you know it or not. You have a, a credit report. Uh, that tracks you out of a score of a thousand and how trustworthy you are to lend money to you, right? All of us have that. So if you want to buy a house, you want to buy a car, you want to finance, get a credit card, any of those things, it's based on your credit. What does that mean? It means how faithful you are to pay back a debt, right? Now, have you ever had an occasion? I'm sure no one in here has ever had this happen to you, but it has happened to me, Where guess what? I overextended myself at some point in my life and missed a payment or two. You ever have that happen? Ever? Maybe when you were younger, even older, but, you know, not thinking about what you were doing and those credit cards sure looked good and you sure wanted that new TV or you sure wanted this, right? And, And so you decided that you were going to go get it. Uh, And uh, then when it came time to pay for it, you didn't exactly have the money. So now what happens is your creditor reports you to a credit bureau that says you did not make your payments on time. They're saying you are not in right standing. Right? You're not going to be able to get, they're not going to lend you any more money. And they're going to hound you and continue to report you till you pay off your debt. And if you don't pay it off, eventually you'll be turned over to a debt collector. And that debt collector will hound you and call you like crazy. Uh, have them call you. Uh, you ever get those calls that say uh, you've got a warrant out for your arrest? Police will be there in an hour if you don't do X, Y, and Z. I've gotten a call uh, like that a time or two. Not about myself, believe it or not, but they'll do that. They'll call your relatives, you know, but they will hound you and chase you and lie because you are not in right standing. You owe them money. You took a service and didn't pay back for it or you took a possession. You're not in right standing. We are not in right standing with God. Why? Not only are we born uh, that way because of the sin of Adam And because of the sin of Eve, but also we live our lives daily, we mess up, we accumulate debt. Every sin that we committed is we are accumulating debt against God. Uh, The book of Romans puts it this way, we are treasuring up wrath. We are sinful, and on our credit report, right in heaven is our sins. And they build up and build up and build up. So much so, it doesn't matter if we suddenly started today and could be obedient to everything God ever said, ever from this day moment forward, it would never be enough to make up the difference. We can never pay it back. We're not in right standing. However, through faith in Jesus Christ, God now says, you know what? I see your account is super negative, delayed, it is delinquent, you haven't made a payment in it, right? You haven't done what you're supposed to do, you are not in right standing, so I tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to pay this off for you. I'm going to pay it off, you haven't done anything to deserve it, you haven't done anything to earn it, Uh, but because of your faith in me, and the faith in making Jesus Christ Lord of your life, and trusting in Him, I'm going to pay off your debt. Now here's the thing. Our debt is very real in the spiritual realm. And it required a very real sacrifice. That's why God instituted the sacrificial system. Right? When Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do when He found them? He killed animals. He took their skins and he clothed them. Now we're talking about God here. God could have spoke a word and clothed them. Right? They had pathetically taken uh, palm branches and were trying to cover their nakedness with large leaves. Right? God could have done anything. He could have spoken clothing. He could have spoken covering. But he didn't. He killed animals. God took the life of animals. And he made coverings for them. At that moment, God instituted that the only way sin could ever be forgiven was the shedding of blood. What did God tell them? If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. And yes, spiritually, they died. And God said, here it is. I'm going to demonstrate to you that a substitutionary death can bring temporary forgiveness. And so there he instituted sacrifice. And that was something that was passed down because if you recall with Cain and Abel, what did Abel do? Abel sacrificed from his flock of sheep, a life, and Cain didn't do that. He brought forth grain and crops when God required a blood sacrifice. And then ultimately, but when we get into the nation of Israel, when God gives the law and the Levitical law and rules, He uh, instituted sacrifice. Why? Because there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And so, just like Adam and Eve would have had to continue to kill animals to cover up their outside physical nakedness with animal skins, it required a constant sacrifice, the shedding of blood, to forgive someone's sins, their past sins, right? So they would be forgiven, but then guess what? They would commit another sin. And so more animals had to be sacrificed for their sins to be forgiven. And so what God did was, because it was a very real debt, because the wages of sin is death, He said, I will send my Son." Jesus said, I will come and I will die. I will be the spotless lamb who will fulfill that penalty of death. And that's why you and I can be forgiven. Jesus Christ wrote the check to cover our sins with the shedding of his blood. So because of that, when you and I put our faith and our trust in Jesus through no effort of our own, through no works of our own, right? Just believing that God is who he said he was, that Jesus died on the cross, that he forgives us of our sins, right? That he rose three days later. We now are imputed God's righteousness. God says you are now in right standing. You are now in right standing, right? And the great thing about God is is guess what, your checking account, no matter if you mess up again, will never go empty. Amen. Because God has enough grace, enough mercy, to make sure that we stay in right standing. He forgives us and has mercy upon us. It is imputed to us. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Again, if the salvation was based on anything we could do, then it would be earned. Right? You go to a job, you put in your eight hours or more at that job, they owe you a paycheck at the end of the day. You worked for it. You earned it. You have a right to demand it. Uh, when you they just are handing you a gift that you did not earn, then you don't have a right to demand it. It's not yours. It's them choosing to give you something. Right? When you give your kids a gift... You usually don't expect anything in return. You are giving it to them because you love them and you care about them. Now, when your kids start demanding gifts, then you become less likely to hand those gifts out. But as long as they're appreciative and loving, right, they don't, you don't make them earn their gift, their blessing that you give them. Right? And so uh, the same thing applies to you and I. Verse 5, but to him who does not, uh, does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. J. Murdoch McGee says, and the only kind of people God is saving are unrighteous people. <laughs> Meaning that we are all unrighteous and we all need God and none of us can be saved apart from faith. Amen. Romans 4 six. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, so now you had Abraham who was declared righteousness bef- uh, declared righteous by faith before the law and before circumcision. You now have David who was after the law, and now David is saying here. Uh, he is saying, uh, uh, Paul says in 7 and 8, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin, meaning the one whom God forgives and does not require them to pay the penalty of sin. Again, David is talking about uh, 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 salvation, forgiveness, uh, justification, just as you never sin, through faith. In God, David said he accredited us. He does not require us to make the payment for our sin. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That's quoted from Psalms 32, verses 1 and 2. This is written after David committed adultery with Bathsheba. In spite of the enormity of David's sin... And the utter absence of his personal merit, David knew the blessing of imputed righteousness. So here's the thing: if the, the world may say that you can be good enough, or you need to be good enough, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You may even have churches that tell you that you've got to serve or be obedient enough a, a, a certain way, and 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 and. You know, cut your hair a certain way and do all of these things if you want to be saved. That is absolutely untrue. Your past does not disqualify you from being saved. The sins of your past. Abraham, even after God's uh, Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 where it says Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Guess what? Abraham still messed up. He still messed up. Even after that. He uh, let Sarah talk him into having uh, a baby was Sarah's maid servant, trying to get ahead of God. Big sin. Right? Uh, David, what did he do? He committed adultery with Bathsheba, then he had her husband murdered. Had her husband killed. Right? These were not perfect men, yet they understood the forgiveness of God, and God declaring them in right standing in spite of their sin. Meaning they were not good enough to earn God's forgiveness. That God showed them grace and mercy because he's God and he can show grace and mercy, not because they earned it or deserved it. Alright, and that's what Paul is saying here. J. Vernon McGee says, And therefore David described the blessedness that God reckons righteousness without works, because David had no works. The works that he had were evil. In anyone's ideas, in anyone's sight, David did terrible things. And yet God forgave him anyways. So he couldn't earn it, and he didn't deserve it. Verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith has accounted to Abraham for righteousness. And then how then was it accounted? while he was circumcised or uncircumcised. Not while he was circumcised, but while uncircumcised. So now, Paul is talking to the Jewish readers and the Gentiles to say that regardless of circumcision, right, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, you're still justified by faith. What he's saying here is he's first saying, Gentiles, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved by grace, to be saved by faith in God, right? And he's saying to the Jews, uh, he's saying to them that... Uh, Outward traditions don't save you. Obedience doesn't save you, right? Uh, circumcision doesn't save you. In us today, and for baptism, baptism doesn't save us. Communion doesn't save us. Foot washing doesn't save us. None of the sacraments save you or save me. No traditions of man can save us. Not even the sacraments can save us. Amen. It is only faith in God. And so Paul is saying... Uh, to his readers that your traditions can't save you, obedience to law can't save you, circumcision can't save you because there were people out there who believed because they belonged and were children of Abraham they were good to go alright, now uh, so Abraham was pronounced righteous in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6, Ishmael was born uh, according to Genesis chapter 16 verse 16 so that's after uh, God had uh, accredited or imputed righteousness, said that Abraham was now in right standing due to his faith, and then Abraham was performed, commanded to perform circumcision in Genesis chapter seventeen verses thirteen and twenty-four. Abraham was ninety-nine when he was circumcised. So God declared Abraham righteous before Ishmael had been born, and or even conceived, right? So before his sin of uh, laying with uh, 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 Sarah's handmaiden and at least 14 years before he was circumcised. So your past sin and even your sin that you may commit tomorrow, right, God will forgive you and his, uh, the credit to your account can never run dry. Romans uh, chapter 4, 11 and 12. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who uh, not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised racially Abraham is the father the, the, Abraham is the father of the Jews who are the circumcised but spiritually when you and I accept Christ as Lord and Savior he now becomes our spiritual father as well of, of believing Jews and believing Gentiles so you and I are children of Abraham from a spiritual perspective Galatians 3:29 says that if you are Christ, that you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So you and I are Abraham's children, spiritually, if we have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and therefore heir to the promise. Verse 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So what Paul is saying here is that that promise to Abraham, his offspring, was not made through the law. There was no law at this time, just the law of God written upon man's heart, their conscience. There was no documented physical law. So therefore, Abraham was righteous because of faith and faith alone through the seed, which is Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 4, 14 and 15. For those who are of the law are heirs. Faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is similar to the end, or where we talk in chapter 3, Right? It is the law of God that brings forth wrath. Why? Because the law demonstrates to you and I how sinful we are. What It demonstrates God's standard. Okay? And the law is meant to just show us how depraved we are, as we talked about last week. Now listen. If God had put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and not given them any rules, He would given the Tree of Life and He had given the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil... And then give them any rules, and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, how could they be held accountable? Right? If he just put them in the garden, and there were no rules, then he could not have held them accountable for breaking the rules. Right? Right? So when he put them in the garden, he gave them the rule, don't eat of that tree. So when they ate of the tree, they now had sinned and rebelled against God, and so therefore they had to be punished. Right? The law is what told them what was right and wrong. And in this case, it was God's word directly to them. Don't do this, his command. Right? And here uh, Paul says that God gave the law, and without the law, then there is no transgression. So the law brings about wrath. The law is what reveals our sinfulness to us and how lost from God we are. What makes the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ so wonderful is that it is not earned, but it is freely given by God to man. If man had been left to earn the promises of God, then we would never receive those promises. Man can never obey the law to its complete and utter fullness. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believes. So, Paul states three facts here in 16 and 17. Justification is, is by faith because of God's grace. Justification by faith is available to anyone and everyone. And Abraham is the father of both the Jews and spiritual Jews as well. Those who are Gentiles who believe in Christ. The remainder of verse 17. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as those they did. Who, contrary to hope, and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, show shall your descendants be. What is God's uh, Paul saying here? he's talking about the awesomeness and the power of God as it relates to Abraham here, and then it, how it can be applied to our lives? Okay, so basically, Abraham was an old man; he had no kids. His wife was barren. She could not have kids, right? But what Paul says here is that we serve a God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Meaning that even though the world saw Abraham as barren, as not being able to have children, as an old man who couldn't have kids, as a wife who was barren, even though the world saw him that way, even though nature said that that was the way that it was, God is the one who has the last say, and he can say to a barren, dead womb, come alive. He can say to an old man who is far past the age of uh, being able to produce children, he can say, uh, you are now alive. He can speak to life that which the world has declared dead even the law the law of nature has declared dead right amen and we know that Abraham believed this about God why because when God told him to sacrifice Isaac he went to go do it and the book of Hebrews tells us that, uh, that when Abraham took Isaac up to sacrifice him he believed it necessary that God would raise Isaac from the dead So that tells us that Abraham's faith in God, that he believed that God was one who could override what we see with our eyes, even what the laws of nature are, right? He can override that at any given moment in time, even to the point of raising Isaac from the dead after God had told him to sacrifice him. Amen. Right? And you and I, how awesome is that that we serve a God who at any moment can override the laws of nature. Amen. Yeah. There are certain laws of physics. Gravity, for instance, right? Newton sitting under the apple tree, right? Discovers gravity, you know what I'm saying? There are laws of physics that man cannot break, no matter how you try. Abraham's, uh, Abraham's, Airplanes are not breaking the laws of physics when they fly. They're actually demonstrating aerodynamics when they fly the way that the world works and the way the laws of nature work to airflow under the wing and over the wing to make it stable and fly. Right? It's not breaking any laws. Man cannot break the laws of nature. That's why, if an airplane quits moving, what does it do? It goes down because it is subject to the laws of nature. The laws of physics, the laws that God put in place in this physical world. But God, at any moment in time, can override the laws of nature. Amen. What does that mean? That means when a guy's been dead in a tomb for four days he can have the stone rolled away and call that person out of the tomb. Amen. Bring them back to life. And means that when he's walking down the street and he saw a widow who had only one son and that son was dead, God was, raised that child from the dead right then and there. Amen. Right? He could break the laws of nature. That means that when Joshua was fighting a battle and uh, it was getting dark, and they were afraid they couldn't win in the dark, he prayed, and God stopped the sun. Now the sun doesn't move. The earth moves around the sun. Right? How in the world did God make that happen? But he did. Somehow, God held everything in place so that the The world quit spinning around the sun. The world quit... Think about that for a second. The world quit rotating around the sun for one battle at one moment in time. God broke the physical law. Because if the earth were to ever stop spinning or rotating, everything would end. We would all be destroyed. Right? But at any moment, God can intervene at any time. And he can override the laws of nature. And he can call those things which do not exist as though they did. And way back in Genesis chapter 15, he did that when he said, uh, Abraham, you will have a son. That son didn't exist. Everything in the world said that son could never exist. Right? But yet God spoke it and it happened. Romans chapter 4 verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham was old as dirt. Sarah was old as dirt. They had no right having no babies. Right? They were old, old, old. I'm 45 and cannot even imagine having another baby, right? I am in pain every time I spend a day with my grandchild, both of them. is 22 pounds now, and he's literally a, a, just a chunky monkey to carry around. And, and Ruth, like, I can't imagine having a baby at 45. Can you imagine having one in your hundreds? <laughs> well, I won't even be here in my hundreds, let alone having kids in my hundreds. They were old, and they were as good as dead, but God said, nope, I've got a plan, and that plan is, is I'm going to speak life into what is dead or dying. Verse 22, or 20 through 22, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Because of Abraham's genuine faith in the promise of God, it was credited to him as righteousness. God said, you are in right standing with me. Now it was written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. All scripture is universal in application and Abraham's experience is no exception. Abraham was justified or declared righteous because of faith. You and I are declared in right standing because of faith. Abraham's faith was that God was who he was and would do what he promised. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, that Jesus was who he was, that he died upon the cross, and that he rose from the dead, and that I need him. Amen. You and I demonstrate that faith and that belief, and we are saved. Amen. That's it. All said and done. Verse 25. who was delivered up because of our offenses, and who was raised because of our justification. I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus was delivered up for our offenses. He died in our place for our sin. He paid that price that was owed so that we could be in right standing, and he was raised because of our justification. Remember that word, justification, is just as you never sinned. When God looks at us, he sees us as if we had never sinned in the first place. So Jesus uh, died for our sin. And when he was raised, it was God's stamp of approval upon the sacrifice so that you and I can be saved. If Jesus isn't raised, his death doesn't mean anything. Amen. Jesus, If Jesus isn't raised, he is no different than any other lamb, sheep, goat, Dove that was ever killed and sacrificed. But when he was raised again, that was God saying, I accept your sacrifice, your atonement. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is our high priest. And I don't know how it works out or how it happens. But somewhere in heaven, there is a exact duplicate of the temple in heaven That was on earth, right? The tabernacle in heaven is on earth. There's an exact replica of the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat. And there's an exact replica of the Holy of Holies in heaven. Just like there is here. That was here physically on earth. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus walked in there. The one true uh, high priest. The only one that will ever need to be ever. He put his own blood on the mercy seat. And that blood never has to be applied again, and no one ever has to die again, and you and I are forgiven. That's why the veil was torn. I imagine it like this. Uh, I I imagine Jesus walking into the Holy of Holies in heaven and ripping that veil and tore, tearing it apart. Uh, This is Curtis's theology, so don't you get all freaked out. Uh, Jesus walking into that Holy of Holies, he moves that curtain, and on earth the curtain is split. (laughs) Because he walked in, once and for all to put his own blood upon the mercy seat so that we are no longer separated from God that we can call upon him any place any time, anywhere, we can be forgiven through for faith in Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice we don't need a man to go on our behalf, we don't need a man to talk to God for us, we don't need to pray to no saints, we don't need to pray to no intermarriage, we can talk to Jesus Christ directly, the Son of God Who died for our sin? Amen, amen. He died for our offenses, but we are justified in His resurrection. Yes, amen. Because He lives. Yes, I will live forevermore. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Because He was raised, someday I'm going to be raised too. That's right, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let us stand. Bless you.